Welcome back to the Real Deal Brides podcast. I'm your host, Alessandra Macaluso, and today we are chatting with Emily Ann Peterson. Um, She has a lot going on right now. She has a book about to launch. It's going to launch on uh, January 28th, and she has a really, really unique story, a lot of things to talk about, not just for brides, but actually for anybody listening. I feel like anybody listening you know, out there in the audience, whether you're married or not married, or you're an artist or a creator, or just anybody in general could really benefit from your story. So I'm excited to have you on the show. So welcome. Thank you for having me. It's so cool to be here. I'm excited. It's not very often I get to tell these kinds of like bride stories because I have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) But so before we jump right in to all the bride stuff, um, first of all, tell me about your book, what inspired you and your story. Sure. So about, uh, well, in 2013, I was a full-time cellist and a performing musician, and I had a bunch of students, and I really enjoyed my career that I had going for me, that I built from scratch for for myself. So fully self-employed musician, which is really, I'm proud of saying that I was that, um, and, and still am, you know, um, but I was diagnosed with a hand tremor in my right hand. And for a cellist, that was just the worst news ever because it meant that my ability and my technique in playing the instrument was degenerative now and was going to get lost over time and was not as dependable as it once was. And so I and there was a lot of other things that happened around that season of my life that like I had to evict myself from my apartment because a student just like vanished out of nowhere and so like left me dry. Wow. Um, I had to like there was a lot of other things that a lot of other terrible news that I had received you know, like of one of my favorite students had just told me that um that they had were battling cancer now and they were like it just was like a earth shattering season of life and it was not just a one moment it was just a just thing after another and each i would say collectively it was not that big a deal um all of them like it was awful for me but i knew even in the midst of it that's like this is not the end of the world And yet I knew I was going to have to be brave if I was going to wake up the next day and do the next thing, which was what you do during those seasons of life is you just do the next thing. But I had no idea what bravery meant. Like I knew that we were like, I knew what it meant because I have the dictionary access to the dictionary, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I was still asking questions like, what actually is it? Can you, can you make it from scratch? Is it like, what do you how do you make bravery? Do you practice it? Do you not practice it? Are you born with it or just kind of SOL if, if not, you know, um, like what is, what's the deal here? (laughs) What's the real deal with this bravery stuff? And I was just got really curious about it and started writing a book about it. And then the book turned into a podcast because I was researching and having conversations with people. And those conversations are now the podcast Um, and now the book is out and it is, I'm really proud of it. Um, it's also contains a lot of like really honest, vulnerable, raw stuff that I don't share with a lot of people. So it's like in and of itself is a brave act. It's not just me going, look at all the things that I know. It's like, 
okay, I'm going to tell you all this stuff because this book is about bravery and I have to be brave. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I think, you know, that's one of the funny, the funny paradigms that I, or paradoxes that I discovered through this book writing process was that bravery rarely feels brave. Yes. Like it almost always feels like fear. Yeah. Um, and, and yet fear is not something that we should shy away from. It's not something that we, it's also not something that we should just, you know, like feel the fear and do it anyways. Like we should feel the fear and then use that fear in a sensitive way so that we can step out into the world in a, like a smart analytical, like wise, not chaotic, not a reckless kind of abandon that you're going through life. Like you, you want life to feel exhilarating, but you also don't want to feel like you're going to die. Right. (laughs) You know? So, yeah. yeah. So the book is, the book goes through these 12 ingredients that I discovered through all of these conversations that I had. Um, and through just observing all of the people that I know who are brave, famous people who are brave and not famous people who are brave. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really excited to have it out there in the world. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a baby, right? You feel like you birthed oh, yeah. something <laughs> when a book comes out. I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, that in itself is an act of bravery. Like you said, kind of bearing your whole story and putting everything out there in a book form for other people to read. And, um, it's funny, just a side note, like you know, we relate because I'm an author as well. And and one of the things that I always think about is from a book that I read from Elizabeth Gilbert. She is the Eat, Pray, Love girl, you know, woman. And she wrote that book, Big Magic. One of the things that she says in her book was um, a concept that really resonated with me. And it, it says, once you release an art, it's not yours anymore. And oh, no. It just it put such perspective on it. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but basically what her what her what her quote was: "Once you release it, it's not yours anymore. Let it go. You have no control over anybody else's perception of your art, so it doesn't really well, matter." I would say, like even in this book writing process, um, one of the things I did on social media was I posted a comparison of two different covers art for the book that uh-huh. my me and my publicist were like kind of like not completely like butting heads about, but she just had a preference and I had another preference and I kind of already in my mind knew what I was going to decide, but mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I wonder what the rest of the world thinks about these two covers. Right. And what I got back was less information about the book cover and more information about the people who had a vote. Uh, yes. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I, I have it to was say really, it was really, really fascinating for me because I do, because I do marketing and business consulting as well as singer songwriter stuff so as a singer songwriter I'm familiar with that concept of you write the song you perform the song and now that song can have infinite meanings Mm -hmm. to your audience members yeah um like you have your own meaning but there people can take so many inferences away from your the work that you put out into the world yeah and it says more and what they infer about you and what you're putting out into the world says more about them than it does about you yeah. or the art itself. Yeah. You have to kind of get to a place where you just release it and you take a deep breath and you remember that good, bad, up, down, it doesn't really matter. It's the creative part that you did it for. 
Not, totally. yeah, not for everybody else's interpretation. But while we're on the topic, you know, for listeners, if you go over to emilyannpeterson.com, you can see the cover that Emily's talking about. And I think your cover is awesome. I think it kicks ass. And you just, and you designed it yourself, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. The, the photography is by Genevieve Pearson. She's a phenomenal editorial uh, photographer. And she does work with the Nordstrom's and stuff out here in Seattle. She's a genius. She does really good work. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so bare naked bravery, how to be creatively courageous. So I have so many questions. <laughs> Ask away. I'm well, here in your book. The first thing I love about is just how you talk about what is bravery, because it's so true. You hear the word, you see it on Hallmark cards, you know, your best friends tell you be brave, be brave, you know, but it sounds like such a faraway concept and it's a totally different uh, story when you wind up putting it into action when you hold yourself accountable. And, and like you said, sometimes the scariest moments, really all the scariest moments is when you really have to conjure up bravery. So how would you say this relates to relationships for our listeners getting, you know, a lot of our listeners are getting married. There's all that wedding drama, which we're going to get to in a few minutes. But the first part about it, though, is just like making sure that you're doing the right thing, that you really found the right person and that you're also willing to kind of let go of yourself and be in this relationship. So how can you say that it applies to that? My, the way I would say it about how this replies to relationship, because it applies to every area that you would have to be brave Mm -hmm. in. Um, but there are these 12 ingredients of bravery and the three important ingredients or the three main ingredients of those 12 is vulnerability, Mm. imagination, and improvisation. Um, when those three ingredients mix together, maybe we might have the thesis in a next book that the thing that mixes them all together is the fear <laughs> or is the creativity. Um, but that I couldn't, I couldn't decide. I couldn't make that a confirmed thesis yet. So I didn't put it in the book, but vulnerability, imagination, improvisation, when those three things mix together, usually there is bravery really close by. Um, Ooh, I and, like that. And in terms of relationships, I would say those three things are very important to having an excellent relationship with anyone, yes. you know, your mother-in-law <laughs> like, um, and, and vulnerability doesn't just, or the idea of vulnerability doesn't mean you just have to be exposing everything to everyone all the time. There's actually a, a very analytical and sensitive science behind when you should be vulnerable with someone and in what context and what you should risk in that vulnerability and how you should move forward in that. Um, and so it's not just, I now have a mother-in-law, I'm going to go text her every single day. Right. <laughs> or now I'm obligated to go text her in every single day and tell her everything I know about myself. There is a measure of acknowledging where boundaries exist and choosing to step over them, but you being the one that is choosing to step over those boundaries or reveal yourself, not the other way around. I like that. that. Makes sense. Yes, I like that. And it's true because especially I feel like with today, it's very easy for anybody to just overexpose themselves on social media and, you know, well, you have this outlet now, so why not tell everybody everything? And that means you're being authentic. And, you know, maybe on some level there is authenticity there, but you also need to protect and be very careful about what you share and who you share it with. So I can, I totally agree with that. And well, and this it's part of this measure of um, acknowledging or, or if you have an intention with how someone wants to receive your bravery, you need to keep them in that equation. 
right? So if somebody, if you have a big, massive audience on social media and you're just talking about walking the dog and, you know, how you brushed your teeth just a second ago and how you're now you're making tea and you're just contributing to noise and that noise is going to dull the effect of your bravery when you actually need to be brave. Ooh, interesting. Right? So you are, you are contributing to this, you're contributing to your environment, whether you like it or not. And you can shoot, you have a lot of power of choice in how you contribute to that environment, both for your benefit or against you. And I would say the same thing that, oh my gosh, the same thing definitely applies to a relationship. And a lot of that probably goes back to trusting your gut though. And, and, you know, you said something really interesting, how one of your ingredients is improv improvisation. Yeah. And way back when years and years ago, I studied a little bit of improv and, um, I remember that they always said you have to say yes. You know, you have to, the whole thing about improv is you have to come from a place of yes. You have to say yes. Everything is, you know, yes, you have to go with it, roll with it. And um, I just found that really interesting that that's kind of what you're saying here in a lot of ways is is to be open-minded at the same time while, you know, being a little bit selective. And it's also not about just saying yes. You have to say yes and you have to add something. You can't just agree. Right, it's right. Like if you, it's like if we were at, at a wedding, we're at the, like the reception and we, you and I just met for the first time. So tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself and you tell me about yourself and I just say, cool. Right. That would be the example of yes, saying just yes. But saying yes and would be a, a version of that would be, that's really cool. I have a podcast too. Let's talk about podcasts. Yes. <laughs> like, and now I've, now we are two people engaged in an improvisational moment, both actively, like on an equal on equal terms, you know? And I think that's scary from a relationship standpoint, or it can be scary um, for some people in some situations because you don't really know how it's going to go. So until you open up and until you kind of allow yourself to explore like which way that relationship is, you know, you're never going to really see where you can get to. It's one of those things. It's like a catch 22 because, you know, you don't want to be too vulnerable, but at the same time you want to say your yes end and kind of see where a relationship is going to turn. I think that's why in a lot of ways relationships can be taken to the next level and, you know, get to marriage and all of that. And you find out that you're really with the person you should be with. You kind of both have to do that together. Right. Well, and saying, yes, I do is probably one of the most bravest things that I have yet to do. I'm not married. I haven't been married. Uh, I would say being married and having kids are two of the bravest things that I haven't done yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, it terrifies me to think about because you have like lives in your hands, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, your, your choice of partners greatly affects your life in the future. And it greatly affects your choice and partner greatly affects how your children are going to be raised yes. and how, and in what environment they're going to, um, grow up in, you know? Um, so yeah, it's brave. <laughs> yes. Oof. Now, so I know you you said you are not married. You haven't been through a wedding, but I also know that you do have a lot of experience with weddings. You used to manage a catering hall. Is that right? Yeah. So I was working at the time I was working. This was before I was doing music full time. One of the things that got me into being a musician as opposed to just working in the music industry was 
you know, I worked for an, an, an uh, excuse me, an intellectual property attorney, um, you know, with copyright and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I worked at a recording label and I worked with a licensing syncing guy for music and TV, that kind of thing. Um, and then I worked at this venue and what I realized of doing PR and event management and what I realized through those experiences was that I didn't want to just contribute to the selling of the music, mm-hmm. but I actually wanted to make the music like being close to the music was not good enough for me. I needed to actually make it. Um, so I chose to make the musicians and be a music teacher. <laughs> and now I actually am a songwriter and that is what I do. Um, post diagnosis but back in when i was doing this pr event management stuff uh there was one summer where the this venue decided to book um way too many weddings for one summer i was in charge of 28 weddings wow in one summer, in one summer? oh my god mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah I can, when i counted it i I almost quit right then and there because <laughs> I was like, no one should have to go to 28 weddings in one summer. <laughs> run, Emily, run. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, and it's actually contributed to my, my mom has, you know, dropped this big bomb a couple times that like, oh, well, you've always said you wanted to elope. I never thought you would actually get married. You know, I just assumed that Rachel was going to be the next, my little sister, Rachel was going to be the one that we were going to have a wedding for next. (laughs) Over there, like banging my head against the wall kind of thing. Um, So, (laughs) but these 28 weddings was really insane. And it, it, it speaks to like, I, my, my business consultant self knew that the venue had put a very low rate on the space. And so we were attracting Mm. the wrong kind of couples um, who were trying to cut corners financially. And so then that would put extra strain on our staff um, or would make things really difficult because we would have like, Hey, you cross this line in your contract. And, um, so we're going to have to find you this extra $300. And then knowing that that was going to like really make break the bank for them. Um, and and that, you know, and that it was in the contract, but we had to be these, like had to have this like good cop, bad cop kind of thing going on. And that was, that just put an extra stress on our staff members and it didn't need to happen that way. Um, and it could have been avoided had they just had the appropriate price pricing model on the venue. So I would say if you're a bride and you find a venue that's like, what a slamming deal, there's there's other things involved in that. And um, I would I would <laughs> I would say they're cutting corners on the biggest day of your life is not a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say when, when you when you mentioned that, that that's not to say that, you know, there aren't creative ways to do things and that you can't get married on a budget. You certainly can. But it just goes to show and really stresses the importance of asking the right questions, knowing what you're getting into, not having any surprises on the night of your wedding um, and not just booking something because you see a price and think like, yeah, that's great. You know, you have completely. Yeah. You have to ask the right questions. And, and well, that, and I would say the most important question before you start getting nitty gritty and all the details is to ask yourself how you want to feel on that day. Yeah. Because that might be the decision, the difference between, oh, I'm going to hire a caterer and no, I want to depend on all my friends to bring 
potluck desserts. Right, right. Which um, it sounds, you know, I've heard so many brides say it too. They're like, you know what? I'm just no fuss. I'm just going to do a backyard wedding. I don't care. You know, I don't want this big to do and I, I'm just going to make it really easy. And honestly, sometimes the backyard weddings are the biggest headaches you could possibly yeah. do because you're you're kind of saying, I'm going to wing it and it's going to be fine. But you don't realize that you might think that way, but everybody else involved in your day doesn't think that way. And before you know it, you're coordinator for all the stuff and, and dealing with... Well, and I, w- I would say like an easy um, compromise in that se- setting would probably be like, hey, I'm going to hire my BFF and I'm going to actually give her money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that she feels taken care of and that she doesn't feel like she's just... Ha- you know, forced to do this big, massive favor Absolutely. by going to Costco and buying 15 pies when so-and-so didn't bring their pies, you yeah. know? So it, sometimes you can have that happy medium. Um, but I get, this is part of the reason why the, my book would be really good for brides to read because it is so important to have boundaries and to yes. respect those boundaries of your guests and of the other members and other vendors involved in your, in your wedding. Um, people like make an entire career out of planning weddings. Yep. So, um, and I give this advice to my business clients as well. Like people make entire careers out of managing social media. So don't expect to do a good job if you'd have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And people think getting married, oh, we'll just get married. It's great. You know, it's a love of my life and we're just going to get married. No, the relationship is about you and your spouse to be. The wedding is about everybody else. And that's just the way it is. You have to suddenly go from person in love who wants to marry your best friend to business person to contract dissector to vendor management to best friend, you know, um, uh, consoler. And then all of a sudden there's so many different personalities and things and people to manage and everyone has opinions and everyone's kind of diving in and telling you how they want things that like, it makes sense to me sometimes why people, why people elope because it's too much pressure. And at the end of the day, you want to get married, you know, throwing the wedding is great and fun, but sadly, sometimes it can become super stressful. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, the wor- one of the worst moments during that the season of weddings that I went through, um, there was a, a bride and groom who had planned their wedding, and they were cutting corners financially, or, or trying to cut corners, or save money everywhere. Um, and one of the things they failed to do is to tell the entire party bridal party that they were in charge of cleanup after the event. And so the bride and groom like get their, you know, rice send off bubbles, send off and go happily onto their honeymoon. And everyone starts leaving the event and I'm running around the room going, um, who's cleaning up? Who's cleaning up? Oh no. (laughs) And, And the mother and the mother of the groom, was the last one in the building and she was like racing in her formal attire, racing around trying to beat the end of the contract time oh. because she didn't want, she was like also furious cause she was, didn't, wasn't expecting to do this in her formal attire barefoot. Oh my God. Around, you know, yeah, it was awful. Great and way to kick I, off the mother-in-law and I, daughter-in-law relationship. <laughs> oh, I mean, That mother of the groom was a little bit intense in general, so I was not jealous of the bride 
to begin with. But, <laughs> but definitely not after the way that the evening went. And like my number one advice to couples getting married is if you do anything, pay for someone to clean up after the event. Yes. And same thing if you're moving pay for movers. It's really not that big a deal. Yeah. Pay for movers. It's worth your time. Like you don't have to buy boxes. You don't have to rent a truck and then hoist all your friends over with and try to bribe them with pizza. And right. <laughs> just hire the movers, call it a day. You'll be done with the move in less than two hours. Yeah. If it's within the city. Um, but yeah, I would say the same thing for, for weddings as well. Like the best use of your time is going to be making sure that the details are taken care of, especially the cleanup. Cause that's the last thing you want to do after you get married is shove things into a trash bag. No, thanks. No, that is the last thing you want to do. And, and again, it just goes to show like the questions that you really need to ask and the things that are worth it to you. Like you said, what is it worth to you? It'd be much more worth it to just pay for that and have it done and not think about it on that kind of day. Like just side note, like for myself, I remember I was like, Oh, you know, I'm really, I'll make my own favors. You know, when we got married and I was like, it's not a big deal. I'm a super crafty person. I DIY everything. I like to get my hands in everything. You know, I just figure, let me just get out there and I do it myself. You know, it's not a big deal, but I was not thinking about it doing that thing in the midst of wedding planning and all that kind of stuff. And I will just, I will never forget. I had, it was like three days before the wedding and I had a fever cause I was sick probably from stress. And I had to sit there and shrink wrap like 250 baskets for people's uh, party favors to take oh home. And I was like, what am I doing? It would have just been so much more worth it to just hire somebody outsource it. You know, especially on a day like that, you don't want to be in charge of that kind of thing. You just want, because then it kind of takes away from your enjoyment of the event. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And there's so many things now that technology is so amazing. There's so many things that you can outsource to people, even virtually, like the follow-up of RSVPs. You could just send a virtual assistant a spreadsheet and say, email all of these people and make sure we get a, con- a confirmation. <laughs> like, oh, wow. If I could go back and, in time, I would hire the, a virtual assistant. Oh, right? Wouldn't that be amazing <laughs> yes. to just not have to deal with that? So there's a lot of like little, a lot of those little details that come up. It's amazing how much of it can be outsourced, even to your cousin and pay them. Like, <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, someone you trust. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. back to the, back to bare naked bravery and how to be creatively courageous. I just love this from a life standpoint, you know, let alone weddings and relationships. I think it's obviously pertains to that, but just from a life standpoint, um, one of the descriptions of the book says how it paints a clear and vibrant picture of what courage looks like for those who don't feel courageous. So give me some ideas, like what are the other ways that this book inspires creativity? Like, you know, for you and, and myself and other other artists who might be listening um, or anybody who's thinking about, you know, opening up creativity, but, but who says to themselves, I can't, you know, I'm just not a creative person. I hear so many people say that. Oh, that's oh great. Gosh. You're a writer. I could never do that. Or I'm just not a creative person. And I feel like that's everyone is a creative person. It's just a matter of unlocking it. Oh my gosh, I so agree. And I would say that a lot of our, I mean, this is not not shocking news, but a lot of our adulting skills came from kindergarten. And um, <laughs> like learning how to share, right. learning, you know, like learning to wait in line, that kind of thing. 
those are all adulting skills and, and creativity is part of that. It, there's no way you could have gotten through kindergarten and not been creative. There's right. no way there, there's absolutely no way. And in the way that creativity is and the way that courage is, they are a cycle. They work together and they lean on each other and you can't have creativity without just a hair smidgen of courage and you can't have courage without a smidgen of creativity. And it's just like a completely cyclical situation, right? So I could talk in circles for hours talking about it. <laughs> but the, the important thing is that if you don't think you're creative, then that means you don't think you're courageous. And that's a bummer because yeah. it's not true. <laughs> you're kind of throwing um, up your own roadblock. Exactly. Exactly. And, and creativity, let me just like say this, that creativity doesn't mean you're starting from scratch and like making something out of nothing. Creativity can simply just be my key fob was broken. So I put it on a lanyard, right? That <laughs> That's creativity because you're doing something different. You're using something differently than it was intended to be used or, you know, like the, um, I could keep coming up with descriptions, but I don't think I will because I think you get my point. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like you don't, like, even if you just change one small thing, that's you being creative. That's you being innovative. That's you busting threatening to bust up the norm. And that takes courage. That takes bravery to do. Um, even if you're the only one witnessing it, right? Even if you're the only one who goes, Oh my gosh, I'm such a brilliant person for thinking about putting this key fob on this lanyard. How awesome am I? (laughs) That's, that's like the subjectivity of creativity and bravery that you don't have to, everyone in the world doesn't have to know that you're being brave. That's right. so, that's so true. And also and, for, you know, I was going to say too, that there's also, there are moments where you will be doing something and someone come up to you and say, Oh my gosh, that was so brave. And you think it was like no big deal. But again, there's that subjectivity of, and or the second hand degree of bravery. And, um, it pertains to, so there's three forms of bravery. There's internal which is the, I'm the only one that knows I'm being brave. There's the external where I know I'm being brave and someone else knows that I'm being brave. And then there's the resonant bravery where the person observing you is the only person that knows that you're being brave. I like that. And I guess at the end of the day, it's really just all about how you feel as the creator, as the person doing the creating. If you feel brave, if you feel good about it, if you don't feel like you're holding back. I I think that's a a lot of what goes on too, is that like when you're not brave and when you do hold back your creativity, it doesn't feel very good. It's true. Or you feel like, I mean, everybody deals with it a little bit differently, but there are some, some that would like say, Oh yeah, I could have done that. And there's that comparison bit Mm. that ends up eating away at them of like regret. Um, there's also the, just the blatant regret of I should have kissed him. (laughs) Right. I should have asked him on a date, but I can't anymore. But then it also bites you in the butt because I've definitely done this where I've written a song for a guy knowing that he was now single and he, we, he and I had previously dated and wrote a song for him and he rejected me. Like love the song. Didn't love me. (laughs) And that I, I did that partially grimacing and like expecting him to say no because it was such a 
crazy thing for me to do. Like mm-hmm. how intense, Oh my gosh, how intense is it to have a, somebody write you a song? It's so intense, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but so brave to do that. Planet, and I knew that I had, I knew that I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to hate myself because I won't have said what I needed to say. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that's sometimes you have to just go ahead and, say the thing, speak up and do the thing. Even if you know that it's not going to go over really well, but you know that the alternative of not standing up, speaking up is worse. Yes. You can't get too attached to the outcome. Yeah. I feel that way too with, with anything, you know, writing or creating anything. It's like, okay, I find that when I try to get too attached to the outcome of what I think it's going to be, that's when I mess myself up. Versus Mm -hmm. if I just kind of get in that zone where I let things happen, then, you know, I can get somewhere. And even if the outcome isn't what I think it should be, I did it. I expressed it. It's out. Right. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm interested in reading the book. Um, I definitely can't wait to read it. And for everybody listening right now, if you go over to emilyannpeterson.com, um, Emily, you're doing a little promo right now where if people go over before your release date, they get access to the book for free for three days. Is that right? Yeah. So the first three days that the book is on Amazon, it'll be free. The ebook will be free. Mm. Um, and so if you get on that list, then you'll get a reminder about when it's free um, and then when it's on sale later. Um, <laughs> so Yes. And we would love to have you as part of the community too, because we've got a bunch of like our podcast listeners of the bare naked bravery podcast. Um, we have this wonderful little Facebook group of community members who are also doing brave things. And, um, it blows my mind how cool they all are. And I'm so honored to facilitate that kind of community because I, uh, one of the things that made me actually press publish on this book was knowing that we do need more bravery in the world. Like that's, if we need anything in the world, it's that we should all be more brave because there are things that need to be said (laughs) that are difficult to say. And there are um, projects and callings out there that need to say that people need to say yes and to, and that takes a lot of chutzpah. Um, so if, if, if my, if my one gift can be to say, Hey, here's what I've learned about bravery. Maybe that'll help you do the thing that we all know that you should be doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> then, then that, then ugh, so be it. Wonderful. I love that. And I think I just joined your group. So, um, yes. I'm looking forward to it because like you said, I think the world needs a lot more of that. So, I love what you're doing. Um, listeners, head over to emilyannpeterson.com. Um, and real quick, I also know that you did a TED Talk. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I did. So if you go over to uh, – it's hosted on your website. So you can – Yeah. If you go if you go to my website, emilyannpeterson.com, I think it's forward slash TEDx talk is like one word TEDx talk. But basically, yes. if you go to my website and click on videos, it'll shop, it'll pop up. Yep. Perfect. I see it right there. Um, emilyannpeterson.com slash TEDx talk. So yeah. you can actually see Emily talking and playing a little bit too, which is very cool. And then are you on Instagram also? I am. Uh, my handle is Emily Ann Pete and that's Ann without an E. Yeah. All right. So listen in, follow, follow Emily, check out her new book and thank you for doing what you do because like you said, the world needs more of it. Oh, well, right back at you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It was great talking with you and we'll talk to you soon.